2009, a Peace Corps volunteer named Kate Pusey was murdered in Benin. On February 9, 2009, Kate sent her country director an email describing alleged sexual misconduct by a local teacher named Constant Bio. Bio taught at Kate's school, and he was regularly hired by Peace Corps in Benin to facilitate volunteer trainings. In her email, Kate explained to the Peace Corps Benin country director that Bio had been raping young girls in her village, and she thought that the country director should know about the behavior because she was worried that Bio's association with Peace Corps Benin would tarnish the reputation of Peace Corps in her community. Kate's email reads, quote, Please believe me. I'm not someone who likes to create problems, but this has been weighing heavily on me. I've loved my time as a volunteer, and it's important to me that Peace Corps remain a respected organization in the eyes of our host country. This man is not someone I want representing Peace Corps to the Beninese community. End quote. Because of the information that Kate Pusey provided to the country director in Benin, Constant Bio was informed that he would not be hired by Peace Corps in the future. At that time, volunteers had no whistleblower protections, and according to a Peace Corps Office of Inspector General report, the information was not kept confidential. Kate received a follow-up phone call from another Peace Corps employee about the matter. Apparently, the information was known to many employees at the Peace Corps office in Benin. One employee at the Peace Corps office was Aurelian Bio, who went by the name Jacques. Jacques Bio was an associate director for Peace Corps Benin and the brother of Constant Bio. On March 12, 2009, Kate Pusey was found dead on the porch outside her home. Her throat had been cut. Beninese authorities arrested Constant Bio, his brother Jacques Bio, and a Nigerian man from Kate's village. There was never a trial, and the men are still in custody. Peace Corps headquarters contacted Kate Pusey's parents and told them that Kate had died, but Peace Corps refused to provide the Puseys with any details or explanation. Lois and Harry Pusey were forced to piece together the circumstances of Kate's death by reading her emails and speaking with volunteers. Four months after Kate's murder, Peace Corps simply stopped communicating with the Puseys. The Pusey family created a project called Kate's Voice, designed to raise awareness about Kate's murder and force Peace Corps to make reforms. The Pusey family advocated for whistleblower protections for volunteers, increased quality standards for Peace Corps management, and better support for volunteer victims and their families. As the Pusey family was building the Kate's Voice Project, another advocacy group was being organized by returned Peace Corps volunteers. The founders of a group called First Response Action were advocating for a stronger Peace Corps response for volunteer victims of physical and sexual violence. The two groups were advocating for many of the same reforms, and they decided to work together to push for a legislative solution. One of the founders of First Response Action was Casey Frazzi. So I was a Peace Corps volunteer in South Africa in 2009, and I was unfortunately assaulted while I was serving as a volunteer. And I found that there were many other people who'd been raped or assaulted and weren't getting the services they needed. At the time that I was assaulted, there was no policy for how Peace Corps should respond to survivors of sexual violence. And it felt like we were just too far along in recorded history to not have policies like that. Lois Pusey and several members of First Response Action testified about their experiences and their concerns regarding Peace Corps before the House Foreign Relations Committee on May 11, 2011. Chairman Ross Layton, Ranking Member Berman, and committee members, 
My name is Lois Pusey, and I'm here today on behalf of my daughter, Kate Pusey, who was murdered March 12, 2009, while serving with the Peace Corps in the West African nation of Benin, and to urge Congress... Shortly after I arrived, our supervisor, the Nepali Peace Corps Program Director, told female volunteers he expected sex in exchange for providing us with our living supplement checks. A Nigerian man held me down, ripped off my shorts and underwear, and raped me. No one gave me the opportunity to make a formal, formal statement or to speak with law enforcement. I was soon put on an international flight to Washington, D.C., alone. The Peace Corps also required me to meet with a counselor who made me write down everything I had done wrong for this to occur. As examples, she suggested that I had been out after 5 p.m., I hadn't screamed, and that I didn't fight back. Rather than feeling safe and supported, I felt belittled and blamed. Thank you very much to all of you for your brave testimony. Your testimony will change the way that business is being done in the Peace Corps. Following their testimony, Kate Pusey's family and the members of First Response Action worked with members of Congress to draft the Kate Pusey Volunteer Protection Act. We worked with a network of, um, of legislators, and um, we're very lucky that 2011 is the year that we had a congressional hearing on this issue in May, and by November, I'm happy to say that President Obama was signing this legislation into law. The Kate Pusey Act mandates, among other things, that Peace Corps volunteers be extended whistleblower protections, and that Peace Corps adopt new policies and procedures in the way that they respond to sexual assaults of volunteers. One of the mandates of the Kate Pusey Act required Peace Corps to create an Office of Victim Advocacy within the agency. In 2011, Peace Corps Director Aaron Williams hired Kelly Green to be the first director of the Peace Corps Office of Victim Advocacy. Um, I remember when I first met with, with Director Williams, he was talking about the, the intense scrutiny that the agency was receiving from the media and from Congress at the time. Um, you know, every time you picked up a, a newspaper or you were online, there was something about the Peace Corps and sexual assault. And he was very committed to wanting to create change within the agency so that the agency could be responsive to the volunteers who, who needed that assistance, and then also to the families of, of fallen volunteers. Um, I never anticipated falling in love with the volunteers or falling in love with the Peace Corps. I'm not a returned volunteer. I, I haven't served in the Peace Corps. I don't have what it takes um, to be a Peace Corps volunteer, the, the sacrifices, the, the commitment, but I woke up every day energized to go to work to make Peace Corps better for the Peace Corps volunteers um, so that they can continue their work and so that those that have been victimized who choose to want to continue their service are able to do that. Peace Corps management was quick to publicly embrace the Kate Pusey Act. Peace Corps Director Aaron Williams also testified before the House Foreign Relations Committee. He acknowledged problems with the way that Peace Corps treated victims and he vowed to make changes. Unfortunately, the Peace Corps has not always lived up to its commitment. The brave women who have come forward have shown us that the Peace Corps has not always been sufficiently responsive, compassionate, or sensitive to victims of crime and their families. But not everyone in Peace Corps management agreed that there was a problem. The agency was resistant to a victim advocate. Um, and it was mostly because it was the first time 
that I'm aware of in the agency's history that volunteers actually had a position that had a voice for them that they could call with their complaints, they could call with their concerns, and they had a, a position that would actually then share those concerns with, with other staff and hold the staff accountable for that. Um, so I was met with, I was met with resistance and hostility from, from some offices and some positions. Um, one example is there was a volunteer that had been the victim of a very horrific physical assault. Um, it not only traumatized him, but it traumatized his community. Um, it traumatized the other volunteers and it traumatized the staff. And he very much wanted to go back to service um, for his close of service conference, for his COS conference. Um, it had never been done before. And there was a lot of resistance from the regional director regional directors from other regions because it was like if she gets to do this in, in this region she's going to want to do it in my region um, but in the end director Williams supported it and so I was able to have that volunteer go back and going back with him to his community and seeing the reaction on the little kids faces on the men in his village the women from his village just these, these full body embraces, because they many of them thought he had died. They didn't know what had happened to him. Peace Corps hadn't been keeping them informed. Um, and so it was, it was really remarkable to see the connection that he had made in his community. And I saw the healing that took place. One of the main complaints of Peace Corps staff regarding the Cape Pusey Act was something called restricted reporting. Restricted reporting ensures that personally identifying information of a volunteer victim of sexual assault is shared with only a few authorized individuals within Peace Corps. Kelly Green believed that country directors should not be privy to restricted information. So what we did at the Peace Corps was we made the decision that country directors wouldn't be informed of sexual assault if a volunteer chose restricted reporting. That created a huge conflict among regions, among country directors, and big backlash towards me in my office um, because how dare I come into the agency and say that country directors aren't going to be informed of a sexual assault. They're, they're responsible for the safety and security of volunteers. I get that. But you also have to understand country directors are in a sense the boss of the volunteers and somebody may be hesitant to tell their boss that they've been sexually assaulted. One, because they may feel like they're going to be blamed for it or their service may be terminated. But there's also the, the country directors that would go too far. They would withhold projects from a volunteer because they would see that volunteer is damaged. So it becomes discrimination in, in a sense. In 2012, a confidential Peace Corps document was written which compiled quotes from Peace Corps staff members regarding the Kate Pusey Act. The document was obtained by the House Foreign Relations Committee and was provided to members of the press. Regarding sexual assaults of volunteers, one staff member says, quote, If the incident involved risky behavior, I'm not saying it's the victim's fault, but if we can't use it as a learning moment, and then we put them, the volunteer, back into a village without addressing those issues, alcohol abuse and multiple relationships, that's not okay. If we're taking the Kate Pusey Act seriously, then we need to be able to address the behavior of the volunteer. End quote. Another staff comment says, quote, We are tripping over ourselves in order to not blame the victim. 
there is a relationship between drinking and sexual assault, end quote. The confidential document contains hundreds of quotes from Peace Corps staff members. The compiled comments make it clear that many Peace Corps staff members didn't believe that there was a problem with the way in which volunteer victims were being treated. So Peace Corps staff at that time thought that they were doing a really great job with, with the volunteers and with, with the victims? Right, they still do. So this was May of 2011, and they didn't understand why these volunteers were saying they received a bad response, the, the volunteers that were speaking out through first response action. Um, they were very hostile towards any volunteer that would come forward and say that they received anything short of a good response from the agency. Um, if anything was done wrong, there was something wrong with the volunteer that the volunteer caused, caused it to happen or the volunteer perceived the staff's reaction or response in a negative way and that's not really what happened. So they were very dismissive of the volunteer's concerns. This conflict between the beliefs of agency staff and the requirements of the Kate Pusey Act may have been partially responsible for a loss of professional decorum at Peace Corps headquarters. For, this, for the sexual assault program, there's five offices that are involved. So it's the Office of Victim Advocacy, the Office of Health Services, Regions, the Office of General Counsel, and the Office of Safety and Security. And those are the five major players. So um, the Office of Safety and Security didn't like the Office of General Counsel because they felt that the Office of General Counsel was writing policy and that wasn't their role. The Office of, of Health Services and Regions didn't like the Office of Victim Advocacy because we were giving volunteers a voice and they know what's best for volunteers. Volunteers don't know what's best for themselves. You know, it just becomes this really difficult environment for anybody to do any type of work in. Um, there were also times when the Office of Health Services wouldn't notify the victim advocates that a volunteer was medevacing here to DC, so we weren't able to meet them at the airport to pick them up. Um, or we would learn halfway through the medevac that a volunteer had actually been medevaced and we had been trying for two or three weeks to contact them to give them updates on their case and we weren't able to reach them because they were right here in DC, but the Office of Health Services didn't notify the Office of Victim Advocacy. Um, so there were clear instances of sabotage from different offices to other offices. Kelly's interpretation of the backstabbing at Peace Corps headquarters is verified by another confidential Peace Corps document. By 2014, Director Aaron Williams had resigned, and Carrie hessler Radelet was named Acting Director of the Peace Corps. hessler Radelet engaged expert consultants Kate Raftery, Lee Lacey, and Jen Markowitz to perform an internal management consultation of key offices providing response to sexual assault victims. Their report describes a deep resentment and mistrust between offices within Peace Corps headquarters. They describe Peace Corps headquarters as having mismanaged the implementation of the Kate Pusey Act, which led to a dysfunctional work environment and a loss of professional decorum at Peace Corps headquarters. In a reference to the manner in which Peace Corps implemented the reforms mandated in the Kate Pusey Act, the consultants wrote, quote, These efforts did not result in a perception or a reality of institutional growth, but rather degenerated into power plays and lack of professional etiquette. We heard of staff rolling their eyes and turning their backs on each other in meetings or leaving meetings altogether. This behavior was tolerated and has continued, resulting in staff refusing to be in meetings with certain other staff, undermining colleagues in person and behind their backs." End quote. 
Peace Corps Director Carrie Hessler-Radlett must have appreciated the opinions of these consultants because she hired two of them to senior positions within her own office. Kate Raftery and Lee Lacey were hired as senior program team leads within the office of the director. The way that I see the team lead position in Peace Corps is they are the decision makers. Um, they coordinate the, the meetings that are, that are taking place. Um, in the Kate Pusey Act, it states that the Office of Victim Advocacy, the director, is to report to the director of the agency. Um, I rarely met with her. And um, I had to rely on other senior advisors to relay my information to her and kind of trust that they would relay it in a way that was victim-centered or, you know, explain why I was taking the position that I was taking on certain circumstances. By 2015, Kelly Green was getting frustrated with what she viewed as a lack of commitment from Peace Corps to uphold the spirit of the Kate Pusey Act. Some country directors were still blaming volunteers for sexual assaults. The experience of Danae Smith illustrates how country directors were still able to effectively sidestep the Kate Pusey Act as late as 2015. Danae Smith was a Peace Corps volunteer who served in the Dominican Republic. She was placed in a community called Los Mosquitos. Los Mosquitos is not a traditional village. It consists of small clusters of houses, each cluster separated and spread out for miles along a single dirt road. Danae's house was a 10-minute walk from her nearest neighbor. The isolation of her site caused problems for Danae almost immediately. Yeah, so what happened was I was traveling back um, to my site and there was only one guy left who would take me to my all, like up to my site because it was a long trip and it was a guy that I didn't know well but I was like it's that or I'm stuck out here right and um, so I went with him and we get out of the Pueblo and we're kind of in the mountains and there's nobody around and he he then started to touch me inappropriate, like as he's driving, right? So he had one hand like on the motorcycle um, and then one hand like he was reaching out and started touching my legs and he was like, you know, like any moto guy could do whatever he wanted to you out here and no one would hear you if you screamed for help. And fortunately nothing more happened. Um, but anyways, I called my APCD the next day. They said this happened. I was really concerned about it. I don't feel safe. And she said, well, he's not from your site, right? And I said, no. And I said, I'm not so concerned about this specific man like coming back. I'm more concerned about being really isolated and that something like that could happen. And she said, you can't request a site change because you think you're too isolated. And that was, that was the end of that. In early 2015, several months after the incident with the moto driver, Danae was attacked by two strangers on the road. So I was walking to the school. I remember these two guys that I didn't know um, were on a motorcycle and they had um, like gone down and then I saw them come back up as I was walking. And um, I thought that was strange, but I thought maybe they were kind of lost or something. But then the guy um, pulled out a machete and was like, give me your backpack. And so... Um, I gave him my backpack, and so he took the backpack and went off um, the road into the forest. And then the other guy, um, he was like, you know, go follow him. And so then I did, and then it wasn't until I got in front of him that I felt 
like really like something was off, like I felt like they were gonna hurt me, and that was when I started uh, to yell and scream, and the, um, the guy behind me like ran up and grabbed me and um, threw me on the floor, and I still kept um, screaming and hitting him. I couldn't like overpower him, but I think my screams, they weren't expecting me to fight back. So um, pretty much as soon as that happened, the other guy went through my backpack and started um, getting valuables that he wanted. So he found money and he found my phone and that's what he took. After he got the stuff out, he was like, all right, let's go. And they started the motorcycle and left. Danae was injured in the attack and a local community member took her to a nearby town where she called Peace Corps for help. Danae was picked up by the Peace Corps safety and security officer who drove her to the Peace Corps office in Santo Domingo. Danae was treated by the Peace Corps medical officer she was also contacted by Jamie Friedman, an associate victim advocate who worked under the supervision of Kelly Green. Danae told Friedman about the attack and that she wanted a site change. Friedman was supposed to be representing Danae's interests and advocating for her rights throughout the process of Danae's case. Several days after the attack, Danae was called in for a meeting with the Peace Corps Dominican Republic country director, Mary Latka. And I remember I had a meeting with the country director and the first thing she said to me was, we're sending you home. And this was the first time I had talked to her like since this incident had happened. And she basically gave me a list of reasons as to why they're sending me home. One of them was like, we don't think you can take care of yourself. and um, Just like a completely offensive list. The following is an excerpt from the memo Danae received from her country director. This memo is to inform you that I am giving you interrupted service. Because your reported robbery occurred in your community, Peace Corps has determined that it is not safe for you to return to your current site. And because of a number of factors, including challenges you have had integrating into site, maintaining your own well-being, and questions about your commitment to complying with Peace Corps DR policies, Peace Corps DR does not have an appropriate site available to you. And then she um, uh, was basically like, um, it's already done, you can't change it, like I've got your ticket. And I remember the security officer said that it had been that it had happened because I was walking in my sight and that I shouldn't have been walking in my sight. And she said that I needed to prevent it from happening. And she said the way that I would prevent it from happening would be by using public transportation, which was not available in my sight, um, which is insane. Which also makes me think that the uh, research they put into my sight wasn't necessarily well done because to get on public transportation, I had to walk an hour to the next community. Danae spoke again with associate victim advocate Jamie Friedman after meeting with her country director. Friedman told Danae about meetings which were held to discuss the case. But she was saying that like my country staff wanted to send me home. And um, she told the other representatives that I didn't want to go back to site, I just wanted to um, uh, have a site change. But then my um, country director gave a list of reasons why I shouldn't have a site change, which was in the memo. And she said that I broke rules with housing, that I like, had issues integrating. They were essentially saying that I was just putting myself in danger and that I was this, you know, liability. Danae's description of her conversation with associate victims advocate Jamie Friedman made it seem as though Friedman was easily persuaded by the statements of the country director regarding Danae's behavior. According to Kelly Green, this willingness by Friedman to go along with management and not fight too hard for the volunteer victims gave Peace Corps senior management ideas. 
Kelly believes that Peace Corps management decided to force her out of her position in order to replace her with someone more agreeable to management's point of view. In this way, Peace Corps could technically comply with the Kate Pusey Act without the need to make meaningful changes in the way that management dealt with volunteers. So essentially what it was is that the agency got tired of me pushing for reform. Um, and because the office was fully staffed, there were two other advocates there. Um, they're junior advocates. In my absence, when I would be traveling, they would be in meetings, and so they would not be as vocal about um, changes um, or you know, kind of challenge decisions that were being made because they were junior, that was not their role. Um, the agency just felt that they could have them, they could still have victim advocates, but it's kind of the thorn in their side, that's, that's what they were getting rid of. On April 29th, Kelly Green received a memorandum indicating that Kelly was no longer managing the Office of Victim Advocacy. The next day, Peace Corps Chief of Staff Laura Chambers sent an email to all Peace Corps staff members informing them that Associate Victim Advocate Jamie Friedman would be managing and supervising the Office of Victim Advocacy. Kelly Green was moved out of her office. On October 5, 2015, Kelly received a memorandum titled Proposed Removal. The memo indicated that Kelly Green was to be removed from employment with Peace Corps. She was charged with misconduct. From the memo, quote, over an extended period of time, on or between March 1, 2014 and April 5, 2015, you created a negative work atmosphere through bullying, harsh communications, isolation of staff, and fear of retaliation. You micromanaged your subordinate employees in OVA through frequent and demanding communications, including emails in the evening and late night hours." End quote. So my staff alleges that I uh, was inappropriate in working with them, that I would email them in the middle of the night about cases. Um, that I would call in the middle of the night about cases. And it's true. I sent emails in the middle of the night. I picked up the phone and I would call people in the middle of the night um, because that's when I was being contacted about a sexual assault or a physical assault on a volunteer. Yes, I was going to respond to the volunteers, and so I, I did do that. I'm, I'm guilty. <laughs> guilty as charged of, of doing my job in the middle of the night. The memorandum details a long list of personal interactions with Peace Corps staff. It also mentions numerous occasions in which Kelly Green acted in a dismissive and unprofessional manner in her interactions with fellow staff members. The author of the memorandum noted that Kelly Green received high ratings in her annual performance reviews, but nevertheless opted to proceed with the removal. Quote, your misconduct is particularly odious and reprehensible because you used your director of victim advocacy position to victimize and abuse your own employees." End quote. Perhaps Kelly Green did behave in an unprofessional manner, but according to the internal management consultation, everyone in senior Peace Corps management was behaving unprofessionally. So if Kelly Green was behaving in an unprofessional manner, she was certainly not alone. Kelly engaged a lawyer who contested the proposed removal. Peace Corps responded on November 9th by dropping the proposed removal and instead suspending Kelly for 120 days without pay. On November 30th, CBS This Morning broke the story about Kelly Green's suspension. Several news outlets followed up. Peace Corps again changed course. This time they offered Kelly Green a new job. And, and now I've been reassigned 
I'm in the Office of Staff Learning and Development. My new title is Staff Development and Training Specialist um, with a full five-year tour. I don't understand how you were moving to fire me and now I have a full five-year tour. It makes no sense to me. Kelly Green was offered a position in the Office of Staff Learning and Development. According to Peace Corps documents, the purpose of this office is to promote a culture of learning and professional development for Peace Corps staff. In her proposed removal memo, Kelly Green's behavior towards staff was described as, quote, odious and reprehensible. If Peace Corps management truly believed this assessment, then offering Kelly Green a position in an office responsible for developing staff effectiveness is curious, to say the least. I just, it's really important for me that people know that I love the Peace Corps and I love Peace Corps volunteers. But I want people to know that Peace Corps is failing some of its members. In, in the whole scheme of how many volunteers there are and return volunteers, it's a small number of those that feel that they haven't gotten support. But they're significant. Just because they're small numbers doesn't mean that they're irrelevant. Their concerns are real, and the Peace Corps should be supporting them. We should be doing something. I mean, I've, it's embarrassing as somebody who works for the Peace Corps. I'm still employed by the Peace Corps. It's embarrassing that the Peace Corps allows people to still feel hurt. Kelly believes that she was targeted by Peace Corps management because she prioritized the best interests of the volunteers above the best interests of agency staff. And internal Peace Corps documents provide some evidence to support this claim. In the confidential document which compiles staff comments, one comment reads, quote, The victim advocate is advocating for individual volunteer victims, but the victim advocate is also right at the center of the agency's policy making on sexual assault. It ends up creating somewhat of an organizational conflict. Where the victim advocate is involved in policy making, the victim advocate should have the best interests of the agency in mind. But at the same time, the victim advocate is advocating on behalf of volunteers even though the victim's best interests may not coincide with the agency's best interests." End quote. Peace Corps Director Carrie hessler Radelit discussed this story with the producers of this podcast, but she refused to make any comments for the record. A Peace Corps spokesperson sent an email response claiming that Peace Corps was prohibited by law from commenting on a personnel matter. Kelly Green chose not to return to Peace Corps. She accepted a position at the Department of Justice. 